0: Hey, sister, this is Misty Williams, founder of HealingRosie.com, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Rosie Radio. Tune in to find clarity, direction, and hope for your healing. New episodes drop every Tuesday. We created this show to empower you to regain control of your life and feel like yourself again. Yes, sister, it is possible. Oh boy, I am so excited about the conversation we're going to have today with my friend Michelle, who... Um, I have brought into the Healing Rosie community to serve our community at large. Many of you know that I launched Healing Rosie in 2018 to um, support women dealing with flabby, foggy, and fatigued, figuring out how to navigate the healing journey. And you followed my journey to getting my life back and my quality of life back. You know that's really what I what I feel like I've done is I've gotten my quality of life back. And one of the frustrating experiences that I've had as I've um, traversed this this new role really in my life of having a community of women is watching you guys play whack-a-mole working with your practitioners, right? First of all, finding a practitioner can be challenging and confronting. If you're working in the conventional medical model, um, mainstream medicine, getting them to even acknowledge that your symptoms can be helped with something other than pharmaceuticals, right? can be its own challenge. But I've also watched women working with practitioners and doctors who call themselves functional medicine or integrative medicine or naturopathic medicine, doctors or practitioners and continue to struggle, right? They'll, maybe they'll see some slight improvement in their symptoms, you know, move it on a scale of one to 10, their exhaustion 10 being like, I'm dead from exhaustion. Um, Maybe they go from a, from a nine to a seven, right? So you're not as exhausted as you were, but you still know that there's miles to go. I'm witnessing that a lot. You see it in the Healing Rosie Facebook group. If you're Active in our Facebook group a lot, women coming in, needing support, sharing the frustrations they have with their practitioners um, and doctors. And so what I wanted to do for this interview today is I want to actually walk you through the framework that we're going to be using in the accelerator, um, including the lab tests that we're running, because knowledge is power. And when you're working with your doctor, you're at the mercy of what they tell you needs to be done to help you figure out your situation, right? Right. And it can be maddening when they do what they tell you they can do and you're still not feeling better and there's no more answers. I don't know what else to do. Or you can just tell by the way they're um, treating your case that they don't have a, another track to take you on. So if you know what labs are part of a great healing protocol, it puts you in the driver's seat, right? So that you can look for practitioners who have experience with those labs. It's not enough just to run the lab. That's that can be hurdle one, right? I need to run the. I need to run these labs, but hurdle two is I don't only need to run the labs, but I need someone that knows how to interpret these labs. So part of the vetting process really is asking these practitioners if they have experience with certain labs or conditions. So I remember Val in, I think her name is Val in the Healing Rosie Facebook group was really struggling with gastrointestinal issues, and all year last year she was going back and forth between her conventional doctor wants her to do this, and her functional doctor wants to do this, and so she would kind of go between and try a little bit of the functional stuff and then go back and try a little bit of the conventional stuff. Nothing was helping. She continued to have new symptoms presenting. It was getting really scary for her. And I remember messaging her privately saying, you need to find another doctor. Whoever you're working with, neither one of these people are helping you. You need to find another doctor. And I really suspected in her case that she was dealing with some deep toxic stressors, maybe some mold, maybe some mouth infections. Um, So she needed to work with someone that actually knew how to identify those conditions, right? If you're a practitioner, does not know how to identify mold toxicity and you have it, you will be undiagnosed, untreated, right? So a big part of the challenge that we're dealing with trying to find a practitioner is people that actually have the education to go deep enough with us to help us break through, right? So she reached out to 10 functional medicine doctors in her area. Two of the 10 knew how to run the mold testing and then write a protocol for her if it came back positive. Two out of 10 functional medicine doctors. So imagine if she would not have vetted her practitioner with, hey, are you able to do this kind of testing and write protocols for these kinds of conditions? My experience has been that if... A practitioner knows how to deal with deep toxic stressors. That means they've gone deeper with their education and they can typically help you with some of the foundational things and they can help you with the deeper stuff. If they don't know how to do the deeper stuff to tell, right, that they have not, they've not really gone very far with their functional training. And I'm not saying they can't provide some value, but I know what the women in our community are looking for, right? We want someone that's going to be able to go the extra mile with us and help us resolve these issues. So. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. We're going to peel back the curtain, talk to Michelle about the labs that we're running for the women who join us in the accelerator. And I just want you to understand what it looks like when someone puts a great protocol together for you and is able to take you deeper, okay? So that's the big takeaway. I want everyone to get clarity. This, is, this whole conversation is meant to empower you around your own journey, to properly advocate for yourself, to... Maybe take this information and compare it to the experience you're having with your practitioner. Um, maybe give you some insight into what you need to look for. Maybe maybe you need to go back to the practitioner you have and say, hey, here's where I want to go, right? This is this is what I want to achieve in my journey. And enroll them in taking you deeper. Perhaps they can and they're just not taking very much initiative with you, right? So this, this conversation is going to be fabulous. So I found Michelle because... I decided that what we needed for the accelerator was someone who was trained in um, by Reed in, in his functional diagnostic nutrition. If you listen to the podcast, you may remember the podcast episode I did a few weeks ago with Reed. Um, He is the founder of functional diagnostic nutrition, and he has built a graduate level program, teaching people how to use lab work and protocols to heal the body. And I know um, a lot of chiropractors and medical doctors, um, clinic owners who all have enrolled in Reed's course because he goes deeper, goes deeper than they do at the Institute of Functional Medicine, right? He goes deeper than all of that. And he's very holistic in how he views healing the body. And he teaches not only the biology and chemistry that's important to healing, but he also teaches the reading the labs and putting together protocols that are going to address the body holistically and look for the healing opportunities so that um, so that women can heal. So I know women who have um, gone to an FDN. Um, I think FDNP might be the designation if you're looking at letters after names, um, and um, and been able to have get a lot of their their life back. You know, um, and I know that Reed is very very well respected in our space by the by the practitioner, health expert, health entrepreneur community, and so. I spoke with him in June. I myself have enrolled in his program. I will not be taking care of people in our community one-on-one, but I wanted the education um, so that I could be a good leader. And I wanted to bring in someone who has been through his program and has in the trenches experience working with women, You know, doing these protocols and helping them heal. So I found Michelle and she has um, an awesome background. Um, In fact, Michelle, why don't you just tell us a little bit about why you decided to become an FDN. Mm -hmm. and your background in using this framework to help people get their lives back
1: Mm -hmm. like many of you you know my own health attorney you know um brought me here i was before this i was a paralegal um for 16 years i taught high school english for 10 years um but i was really struggling and the medical community failed me utterly just it was an absolute failure there are good points to it right if if emergency, um, you trauma, your arm. And yeah. things, right. You know, yeah, please, you know, take me to the hospital. Um, but when it comes to preventive chronic conditions, it really is just an utter failure. Um, and if they failed me, um, and I had a doctor fire me. So, uh, it was at that point I had to, it's a rite um, of passage. <laughs> yes, I know it was, it was excellent. Um, <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened really, because I was forced at that point to figure it out on my own. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's when I, you know, as a as a learner, someone who loves to learn and research, I, I started my journey. You know, going down all of the rabbit holes. So here I am now. Yeah. On, you know, once I figured out how to help myself, and just loved, it, I in love with it, the work and helping people. And um, so here I am. Yeah. Well, one of the things I loved about Michelle is
0: she not only has a a good understanding of the FDN framework, you know, for healing the body, this great functional nutritional framework, but she's actually gone really deep with her training into a variety of different kinds of labs and tests. Um, she, her acumen around reading blood labs and identifying what's really going on just with your blood labs is pretty astute. And, um, she and I put our heads together and, decided what we wanted to do for the women who are joining us in the accelerator. I want to review the list of labs that um, we are going to do for every woman that comes with us. But what's important about this is I want you guys to understand how a, a comprehensive foundational framework using labs, because we really do need the labs, you guys, we need to know what's happening in our bodies. Um, using the labs, um, how you can put together a really great framework to help the body heal. Um, and we're actually going to talk about You know, we'll go through the labs and then I'm going to also explain to you what goes into the healing protocol. So this information is meant to empower you so that you can take a look at what you're doing and see where you have opportunities to up your game, right? Work with your practitioner. If you want to apply to join the accelerator, you're certainly welcome to do that. Um, But ultimately, I want all of you to know what it looks like because we don't, right? And that's why we lose. This is why I lost 10 years of my life not living optimally because I was working with practitioners who would make a contribution, right? But they couldn't take me all the way and I had no idea what it looked like. If I would have known, oh, I'm looking for someone that can do this, right? Like how could I have made decisions differently a decade ago, five years ago? So yeah, this is gonna be awesome. So here's what we're doing. Here's the labs that we're running. We are gonna run blood labs. There's a big list, can't go over it now. Just if you're interested in, in learning about labs, we have the Healing Rosie Lab Tracker on the website. Go to healingrosie.com. You can download the lab tracker, it's free. We have the optimizing labs listed there and we have their optimal values. So, you not only get the labs, but also what are the optimal values and what might it mean if they're high or low, right? It's a tool that you can look for yourself, make, try to make sense of what you're seeing in the labs, and then you can take that to your practitioner and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. What do you think about this, right? Get some help. But um, it's meant to empower you. So, we're going to do a full blood workup and we are also going to run the hair tissue mineral analysis. So, I recently did a podcast with Barton Scott where we really went into this more, we actually looked at my hair tissue mineral analysis results. Am I saying that right? Am I getting it backwards? HTMA, that's right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we looked at my results and I shared a lot of what I learned. Now, this is, I wish to God, I would have known that a foundational part of healing period, doesn't matter what you're dealing with, is optimizing your minerals. Now, of course, we talk about how important magnesium is and potassium. So go take it. That's not optimizing your minerals. Until you actually measure what's happening in your own body, you, you will really not know if, if first of all, if your minerals are low somewhere, if if the stuff that you're taking is actually getting your minerals where they need to be. The next test we're going to do is the Dutch. You guys know we've talked a lot about the Dutch test in our community. We talk about it in Healing Rosie Facebook group. Um, I've interviewed Dr. Sean. We talked a little bit with Dr. Sean about the Dutch test. Um, if you've been in Healing Rosie University, we actually have a lot of training around the Dutch test, but the, the Dutch test is a a urine test that measures your hormones that gets measured at several points throughout the day and even overnight if you wake up to pee in the night. Um, and we learn how your hormones are functioning. Um, we learn how your estrogen is converting, if it's going down toxic pathways or not. Um, That's, to and, me, that is
1: beautiful. I love that because when we determine whether or not it's going down the more carcinogenic pathway, we're not stuck with that. We yeah. can actually move it, you know, yeah. Into the more protective pathway, uh, but you have to know. Yeah, yeah, it? that's really empowering to know. Another thing that I love about the Dutch is that
0: it measures your melatonin too, so you can see how do you have enough melatonin in your system to to fall asleep and then stay asleep throughout the night. So it's it's a good indicator, especially if people are working on their sleep. Um, I think it shows some methylation stuff. There's lots of good stuff in the Dutch. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that um, as this interview progresses. But we do, we're going to do the Dutch test, then we're going to do the GI map. It's a gut test to um, see how our guts are doing what we need to do there's if there's a few givens we know that people are probably going to have low good bacteria levels right and they're probably have leaky gut going on and a few other things but we want to we want to run the dutch test Um, and we are going to run the oat test organic acids test the oat test is where we started seeing that i had fungus and mold issues Um, i was actually had really low neurotransmitters when i did the test last year before I got my mold diagnosis. There's lots of great stuff um, that you can find out about the OAT test. But what we want to do is get a picture of what's happening holistically in your body and use all this information to inform that protocol that you initially get put on. Okay. So before we go into that piece, I want to spend some time with Michelle talking about each one of these tests and how she uses them to inform her protocols with the intention of you guys take some good notes here so that you've got a good frame of reference that you can successfully advocate for yourself with your practitioners, right? So let's start with um, blood
1: labs. Start at the beginning. What What are the things that you're looking for in blood labs? I'm looking at cholesterol. That's really important. Um, And if your cholesterol is high, if your um, LDH is high, which is the transport, not only is it a liver issue, but it's probably also a thyroid issue because we need T3 to convert all of that. Um, And so looking at a full thyroid panel and not just TSH or even just TSH and um, T4, you know, I want to see what your free T3 is and your total T3 and your reverse T3. That tells me a lot about what's happening inside your cells. Cholesterol, again... You know, help. It it also gives me a good idea of what's going on in your liver because we can we can change that, and it, we we can do it without medication. So a lot of inflammation markers. I'm also looking for um, when I look at the white blood cell count and all of the different types of white blood cells, so neutrophils, lymphocytes, monocytes, eosinophils, and basophils. I can tell and see depending on where you are whether or not you have a bacterial, a fungal, a viral, or a parasitic infection. Because a lot oftentimes parasites don't show up on a map, but i can tell through those values which ones are um if you're fighting if your body's fighting those types of low-grade chronic infections it doesn't mean you're going to be sick you know with the fever with all these things it just means that these are are low level they're chronic your body's constantly your immune system is just constantly constantly stressed by them stressed out by it and um so we can see and doctors look at it and they go oh you're fine but it's not it's really not fine um you know again we look at i want to I noticed this week, and you may not realize this, but every year, once a year, labs update their value ranges based on results from the prior year. Um, So every year, their reference ranges get more broad. And one marker I noticed in a test yesterday, it just changed because, you know, just a few weeks ago, the test results came back and they were the old value. Um, They've updated their value by five points. Five points. That's a lot. And so we want to, again, like Misty said, we want to look at it at a more functional range. Um, but we have to watch that because doctors aren't really paying attention mm-hmm. to that. They're just, okay, well, this is, you know, they probably don't even notice that the the values are increasing over time. Definitely want to look at, you know, all your red blood cells. If they're too high, that indicates, you know, some B vitamin issues. If they're too low, obviously iron issues, um, just a lot of other different inflammation markers. So there's just a lot of really good information. That we can get from there, yeah, and I think it's it's pretty awesome when you're
0: working with a great practitioner who can see infections in your blood work because that's not a that's not a linear
1: part of reading labs, right there's
0: not a parasite lab right right,
1: I think there actually is a company that um is actually that's all they do um from blood work, not in blood work is a still test, but it's not the g m app mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But
0: you know, I'm just saying there's not a, there's not a parasite blood lab. No. <laughs> Dick. So you know, generally speaking, no. you, need, you just need to have the acumen. You need to work with someone that knows how to identify those, those infections in your blood, right? Because if you can see it in the in the blood work, then you can do something about it. Um, part of the challenge that we're dealing with when we look at the conventional framework is that conventional, first of all, most conventional doctors really don't know and understand blood work. I remember the primary care doc that I went to after my surgeries, when I'd experienced six months of just exhaustion and fatigue. And I was an emotional basket case. Um, So much brain fog. I remember begging her to run labs. And finally, she was so exasperated with me. I can be very persistent. If You can't feel it in my energy. Um, But she finally said to me, Misty, even if I did run your labs, I wouldn't know what they meant. Which was stunning. I was I remember just feeling like stunned. I I, I didn't even know what to say. Like, what do you mean? I, I had this belief, this perception, right? That if I'm... If I'm going to my doctor, my doctor, they go through all these years of medical school training, you know, eight, 12, 16 years, depending on what their disciplines are, and they don't know how to read blood laps. So, you know, um, you can't assume that just because someone has been conventionally trained that they know anything about blood work, but even still, a lot of what they learn with blood is looking for advanced states of disease. It's not, it's a a very different lens than looking at your blood work and seeing, are you optimal, Mm -hmm. right? Is everything healthy and functioning well? So. Um, so yeah, blood labs are important. All right, let's move on to HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis test.
1: Like Misty said, minerals are foundational. If if those are if we can't get those balanced, then all the rest of what we're trying to do is not really gonna work very well. Um, so it's very foundational. The HTMA is a very nuanced test, depending on whether, you know, what your Metabolism rate is, and it's not necessarily metabolism—how fast you metabolize food—but your metabolic rate. How do you hold on to things? Does your body release things? It depends on what your rate is. There are um, ratios that give us windows into what are your adrenals doing, what are your, what is your thyroid doing, how's the blood sugar affecting your minerals. Um, so there, the different ratios we can we can see we can see if you have an iodine deficiency, can see if you have um, copper toxicity. When we look at, there's not a marker necessarily for copper toxicity, but when we look at it a number of the, the different levels. ratios. And mm-hmm. if you have these that are elevated or low, then then you likely have copper toxicity. Um, and that either means it's bio unavailable to your body or um, you have too much. So there's it's a very, very nuanced test and there's so much information in it and we can't address everything right away. Right. So we've got to balance those first four primary minerals or calcium, magnesium, potassium and sodium. Um, Do you have a calcium shell? You know, do you have too much calcium Uh, should be in your bones, not in your tissues. Um, So if you do, then we have to work on that. We have to break that up. There's so many. It's just such a beautiful test. Um, And there we can gather so many things from it that it's hard to even describe it all, really. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, I have a whole podcast about this. If this test is interesting to you, just go listen to the podcast I did with Barton. But um, we can also see if you're excreting metals. Um, there's, there's several ways to measure metals in the body um, and how you excrete them through your tissues is one way. And if you
1: have really high levels, especially for someone who's a slow oxidizer, then that's a really good indication that you need to do some further testing. Mm-hmm. Um, to see, you know, your metals because I've had that happen, you know, slow oxidizer, but her metals were like literally off the charts. Um, and so it's like, okay, you have a, a lot of heavy metals in your body. So um it, it kind of points to whatever, what else do we need to look at and what else do we need to do? And it's a process, you know, we can't do all of that. We can't fix everything all at one time. Our bodies just won't handle it. So we have to, it gives us a roadmap.
0: Yeah. The important things about minerals is you can't, you can't balance your hormones without balanced minerals. Mm-hmm. You can't detoxify well without balanced minerals. So this means we can do things to artificially prop up, right? We can do things to um, force the body, but we are not putting the body in an optimal state, right? To get rid of um, the toxins that are in our system or to bring our hormones fully into balance, right? So um, so yeah, that's the hair tissue mineral analysis. Let's move on to the Dutch.
1: I love the Dutch. Again, like I mentioned earlier, um, one of the beautiful things what I love about it is we can see that those estrogen metabolites, what pathways are they going down? Are they going down? There's the 4OH, the 2OH, the 16OH, and we want to make sure it's going down the more protective pathway. We can look and see your ratios. Um, the Dutch test is important if you're cycling that we test on days um, 19 through 21 for a 28-day cycle. Otherwise... You know it's it's going to give skewed results, so that's a real important piece to keep in mind when you get ready to test. Um, cortisol, you know, what's your diurnal pattern doing? You know, what's your rhythm? You know, are you why aren't you sleeping at night? Is it because your cortisol is raising up too high in the night at night time? Um, how much are you producing? How much is, there, is free in your body to be utilized? If you don't have enough, then it's not pre- you're not making DHEA. And you know, what's your testosterone doing? Are you more androgenic? We can, you know, we can even. Between that and some of the blood work, we can um, determine whether or not you have things like insulin resistance and PCOS and then be able to deal with those things. And again, it looks at some B vitamin markers. It looks at some neurotransmitter markers, um, some oxidative stress markers and the melatonin. And melatonin is not just for sleep. A lot of the processes in our body require melatonin to work. So it's a really important hormone, melatonin is. So we get good measurement on those levels. And it just um, methylation, how well are you? That's a big word. Does everyone know what that means? It's it has to do should, with how you should explain it. It happens in every cell. Um all the time, all day long, um, and it, it really is how well the body is moving things around, and how well you're able to detoxify. Um, and so, if your if your body's struggling, if your cells are dirty, I call it if your cells are dirty, your receptors are are dirty um, from toxins, then your body's not going to be able to move things around. You're not going to be able to get rid of your estrogen. Estrogen, as a use it, then lose it hormone. And estrogen dom- dominance is not about having too much estrogen. It's not that your ovaries are overproducing estrogen. It's your your cell receptor sites are dirty. To me. Toxins. um, And when we have too many estrogenic toxins in our body, so we can get that from our beauty and skincare, we can get that from um, it's on our foods and the things we spray around us and the, you know, all those things, they mimic estrogen. And so they get on that receptor cell site, and the real estrogen can't get in to the cell. And because it hasn't been used, it just continues to circulate in the body. And then the liver is detox, you know, toxic, and it can't get rid of it either. Um, And so it creates this estrogen dominance where you have too much estrogen circulating in your system gives you all those horrible um, symptoms. And so we can see all of those things on the Dutch test, which is just beautiful. I want to add
0: a little color commentary to that just to help you guys connect a little bit more with methylation. When I had my mysterious 45 pound weight gain in 2013, I was doing all the things right. I was eating paleo, working out with a trainer. I had hardwired my house, so no Wi-Fi in my house. i had gotten the meters and measured everything. I got rid of all the chemicals, all the things. And I had gained 45 pounds in three months. And it was super scary. I mean, that's a lot. Of, I'm 5'2". That's a lot of weight. And um, I did a Genova complete hormone test, which is very similar to the Dutch, and measures methylation. And my methylation was zero. I was not methylating at all. So my, the weight gain for me happened because I wasn't methylating. But why wasn't I methylating? I did not figure that out until 2018, where I connected the dots on that on my own. Nobody ever asked. No one seemed to care, right? Connected the dots on my own and um, realized that, oh, I had mercury fillings drilled improperly for my teeth. I didn't know what proper or improper looked like, right? But by then I'd learned. And the heavy metals in my system, talk about gunking up your cells and your receptor sites. Yeah, I, I was trashed and wasn't methylating at all. And that's what created the... The weight gain. So, yeah, methylation is very important. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Very, very important.
1: All right. Um, Let's move on to the GI map. GI map. So, there are three types of bacteria in your gut there's beneficial bacteria, opportunistic bacteria, and um, commensal bacteria, which are neutral. And when In a healthy gut, when the beneficial bacteria are greater in number than the opportunistic, the opportunistic have a job. They need to be there. So things like E. coli and C. diff and strep, we have a small number of those things in our gut and they're important and they're supposed to be there. But when there's that, the number of beneficial bacteria have decreased, then the opportunistic Bacteria rise, and that's when we get all of the problems and things that we have, and then candida overgrowth and all these things. So we can look at all of the the major um, types of bacteria to see whether or not they're imbalanced. If we have too much um, or not enough, you know, sometimes we can sometimes parasites show up. It does look for parasites. Um, it looks for worms. It looks for um, Epstein-Barr virus. It looks for cytomegalovirus and a few other things, and it also looks at some intestinal markers. So d is another liver marker, right? How well are you methylating? How well are you detoxifying? Which which pathway, you know, which phase of detoxification is impaired? It looks at that. It looks at some pancreatic markers. How well is your pancreas functioning? Is it struggling as well as your immune system markers? Um, so how well is your immune system working? Is it low? Is it high? Is it overworked? Um, so it has a lot of really, it gives a lot of really good information as to what's going on in the gut.
0: Yeah, you'll see things like H. pylori.
1: H. pylori, and, yes, thank you. Yeah. It. Other
0: other, you know, significance. SIBO, I believe, it will measure.
1: Um, you can look at it doesn't measure SIBO on the GMAP um GMAT, but you can look depending on which markers are out of range, it may indicate it's, that you might have SIBO. Um yeah. you would have to get a breath test to actually get a positive for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. confirm. That's right. Okay. All right. Let's go to the Oat. Oat stands for organic acid test. Um so back to those minerals and vitamins, um, all of the biochemical processes in our body require vitamins and minerals to do their jobs. Um, and the O test is a various, again, it's one of those very nuanced type of test. And so we can look at the different cycles in the body, like the Krebs cycle and oxalates and, um, mold. And it gives us a really good picture of it, if something's imbalanced, We can look to vitamins and minerals to see which ones are missing. Um, If something's too high or something is too low, it also looks at what else? Um, Just the the Krebs cycle, the the carbohydrate cycle. Um, How well are you processing and digesting your carbohydrates? What's going on? Are you creating all these um, metabolites from that? And so it just gives us another good window into how well is the body doing its job? Yeah,
0: it measures all your neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. too see what's happening with your yeah see what's happening with your neurotransmitters my oat test that's where we saw the fungus and
1: yes mold. you can oftentimes it doesn't um show up on the GL map fungus that, you know candida is really hard to detect it often doesn't show on the GL map but it will show up on the oat. Yeah that's
0: right and that's why we want to do both tests right not just one. The oat test is where I started feeling you know we all the other tests that we were taking um you know, it's not that there, it's not that my test results were perfect, but they weren't necessarily indicating what's really going on at a deeper level. In my case, my, um, insulin resistance went through the roof and we saw some things in my markers that were new, right? Like what's really happening in Misty's body. But all we knew is that something was off. Oh, we've got some extra inflammation going on, but it wasn't until we did the oat that we started zeroing in. Okay. This is fungus unlikely mold, um, that she's dealing with here. Right. So, Um, and without age, yeah, without knowing then you don't do the right things for treatment. And I have a lot that I need to get cleared out of my system. I've been working on it now for a year, a whole year, clearing this stuff out of my system. And it's very common for that journey to take two or three years. And I wish I would have started last summer with balancing my hormones because I probably would have had a more successful year for detoxing. I just would have detoxed more because it's such an important part, but I didn't learn that little bit of trivia. Until earlier this year. So this is why I want you guys to have this information, right? Because I know what it's like to be advocating for yourself and to be looking for a practitioner that can help. But if you don't know what it looks like to put together a good plan and to measure well and to go deep, then how do you know if the practitioner you're working with is really helping you? Or how do you encourage them to go deeper? Um, The practitioner that I've been working with, I love her. She's always been very cooperative and very supportive. And that's the, that's the word. She's not been a leader for me she's been supportive so as i've come to the table and said i want to figure this out and go deeper right we got to we got to figure out why why can't i lose these 18 pounds there's something off something is wrong so she supported me by saying all right let's do some deeper tests she did not initiate and say all right misty i'm looking at this you've been struggling with this weight now for a couple of years we need to figure out what's going on i wish right but it's just not how it works so anyway so these are the five labs Here's what's going to go into the protocols that we create. And I want you guys to understand this piece too, because, um, then you can start evaluating if the protocols that you're on are checking these boxes, right? You can go back to your practitioner or doctor and say, Hey, are we doing enough for my liver and gallbladder? How's that looking? You know, are we really addressing that? I'm concerned about that piece. So first thing that we're going to do, um, is rebalance minerals. Part of the protocol, we're going to rebalance minerals. We're going to clear out infections. So we're going to look at all the the results here and see what are the infections that we have going on. We're going to get those cleared out. We are going to start healing the gut. Right. We are going to um, open those detox pathways and start preparing the liver and gallbladder to support clearing the infections and getting rid of the other toxins that show up. And then we are going to balance our blood sugar. That's a. I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast episode just on blood sugar. It plays such a significant role in, um, in the whole health picture. But it's, it's the disease picture,
1: really, that right. blood
0: sugar plays. Right. If you don't get a your blood word. sugar balanced,
1: you're never going to balance your thyroid hormones or your sex hormones, steroid hormones. You're just not
0: all of it. That's right. Yep. That's right. And then um, we are going to work on priming the parasympathetic. If we can, if we are stuck in sympathetic all the time, we are screwed. Nothing else is going to work. All this time and energy that we're spending on our protocols, right, spending on doctors. Going and doing the sauna visits and having the sauna put in at your home, if you are not getting out of sympathetic, chronic, overstressed state all the time, moving into parasympathetic, then you are not going to heal. And then, of course, sleep. Because you guys know how I feel about sleep. Sleep is the most important thing that we do. It is. Right. You're not sleeping. You're not healing. You're going to hear me say it a million times.
1: Well, Our liver detoxifies at night. And there are a lot of other things that happen while we're sleeping. And if we're not sleeping, those things aren't happening. Our brain detoxifies at night. Um it's called the glymphatic system. Yes. So um, you know, if you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, it's your liver. it's probably a blood sugar issue because your liver needs blood sugar to detoxify. So yeah, your body's not doing what the healing work and it's not repairing itself, um, if you're not sleeping. So it's huge. Yeah,
0: yeah. So all of these things are an important part of a good health protocol. Um, but anyway, all of this together makes up a complete protocol. Now there is another step after this, right, this is where we start. And it will take at least 90 days. Some of this stuff takes six months or more to bring the body back up to, you know, a foundational level where we can actually do the deeper healing work, right. But we've got to bring a lot of things into balance. Um, In addition to a good protocol, I encourage everyone to go out there and work with a doctor on your hormones, get that hormonal support that you need right now, so that you're able to sleep, so that your body's able, I mean, our bodies use hormones for so much. And if we're, if we don't have hormones, it's, it's, it slows down healing. That's, that's the simplest way I know to communicate that it slows down healing. So, um, if you are a woman in perimenopause or menopause, you should be working with someone on your hormones. And that's a different piece to this, right? Um, can you, um, optimize your hormones? Yes. Can you get your hormones back up to the optimal levels? Maybe, maybe not, especially if you're in menopause. Right, so, um I feel like you have something to say about that, Michelle
1: um, yes, menopausal, perimenopausal, and menopausal women. It's so and this goes back to the sleep piece um once your ovaries are no longer producing estrogen, um your adrenal glands pick up and what little bit of estrogen you have, unless you're taking, you know, bioidentical hormones, um, your adrenal glands have to pick up and produce a little bit of estrogen that you do have. And if your adrenals are tanked and you're not sleeping and you're stressed all the time, then they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to produce any estrogen. So that's why sleep is important getting back into that parasympathetic dominant state most of the time is important. Um, not not depleted, because that can show up on the HCMA, whether or not you're mm-hmm. in that parasympathetic and in, in you're so far into it that your body's just completely depleted and can't do anything. Um, but really working to take care of your adrenal glands um, so that they will serve you well, you know, well into menopause.
0: If you are listening and interested in joining the Healing Rosie um, University Accelerator, where we're going to be diving deep with Michelle, to six-month program where we're doing so much cool stuff. All these labs, we're also, um, we're gonna all wear continuous glucose monitors for a month together, measure our blood glucose. It's gonna be awesome. Really see how sleep impacts our blood glucose, our diet impacts our blood glucose, exercise impacts. See what your your body is good at processing, what it's not. There's a really excellent book by Rob Wolf called Wired to Eat, where he really goes into um, the the nitty gritty on how to optimize um, your own diet based on how your body manages Glucose, it's wonderful. Um, he actually teaches you how to do it with by pricking, you know, getting a, getting a, a meter and just pricking, doing a test strip, um, which you can definitely do if you don't wanna get a continuous glucose monitor. Um, we're gonna wear the monitors and see what's happening, you know, over an extended period of time. Um, but there's lots of good stuff to learn um, about your body um, just by measuring. So we're gonna do that together. We're gonna do the 21-day um, liver cleanse that um, I talked about during my interview with Dr. Keisha. And, uh, we're going to do that together. It's also a really great elimination diet in general. So it'll give us all a nice reset. Um, and then we can work on re-entry, you know, bringing foods back in. Um, and we're going to dial in our sleep together and work on our our routines, our morning routine, mindfulness practices, you know, all the things that are really important part of, of healing. So if that's interesting to you, just go to healingrosie.com, um, pull up this podcast and you can click on the application there application link to, um, to apply for the program. And, would love to talk to you more about it and see if it's a fit. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. And I feel really excited about being able to bring something to our community that I know is going to help all of you change your lives. So um, I would love to see um, as many of you join us as possible. I believe we have eight slots in this beta course over the very first one we are, we are launching in a couple of weeks, and then we will be launching um, new groups to go through maybe every month or two, we'll, we'll put a new group through. So if that speaks to you and resonates, I'd love to have you join us. And uh, regardless of whether you want to join us in the accelerator, I hope going through um, this framework is helpful to you and serves you on your journey. I do want to speak a little bit about food sensitivity testing because it's a hot topic in our space. All right. So I just finished the radical healing detox for stress and stressors masterclass a couple months ago, interviewed lots of the top docs in our space And universally people said you need to do food sensitivity testing. And it's also controversial because you need to do the right kind of food sensitivity testing. Um, I did an interview with Dr. Peter Osborne and he said that most of the time, and he's right, he's not the only one that I've heard say this. Most of the time with food sensitivity, we're measuring IgG reactions, which just says that our bodies have some kind of antibody. What we really want to be measuring is is this having a a negative effect on our system, right on our immune system. Is Is this causing our body to attack itself? in some way, not just the presence of an antibody, but um, he encouraged lymphocyte testing. Okay, so um, the company that does lymphocyte testing is ELISA, am I getting that right, Michelle? ELISA, yes.
1: mm-hmm. and
0: mm-hmm. Um, and they have they have a couple levels of tests that you can do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are not doing it as a foundational test because, um, first of all, there's a lot, because of what we're doing with elimination and re-entry, we're gonna be able to identify the foods that are, um, are triggers for us, but um, it can it can psychologically start messing with people to say, oh, my body's reacting to all of these foods. It can create like burn this belief, right, that we manifest over and over again that that these foods are bad for us. When the truth is that once you remove the foods for a period of time, a lot of times the body is able to heal, right? And then when you re-enter the uh, add the foods back into your diet, um, your body is able to tolerate them well, you know, you're not triggered by them. Um, so. Food sensitivity testing is something that we will do um, kind of in phase two if, if the, the individual is presenting in a way where we feel like food sensitivity testing needs to be a part of what we're doing. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about this, Michelle, because this is something that you and I talked about together in figuring out what role food sensitivity would play in our core program. I know there's a lot of people out there who um, have done food, food sensitivity tests or have heard the importance of food sensitivity tests. And I want to make sure that we address that in this conversation
1: um i'm not a fan we're probably in the minority with that um again it goes back to you know the difference between the types of food sensitivity testing um the elisa is the only one i would use because it, it does use the lymphocytes um tell people others, tell people what that is so those are white blood cells right and then, again we can measure that on the um the, uh, the blood chemistry. Right. And so how are they reacting? You know, what's going on in your body that's causing them to be overproduced. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they measure that, you know, as far as foods go, I honestly have not researched it. Um, um, but he, if we do an elimination diet, if we take things out, things that are the major offenders, right, and then we give the, the, the body time to heal, to calm, calm that inflammation down, and then we slowly begin to introduce things back in. You should be able to tolerate all of those foods. Um, but when you do these tests, like and I won't call names, but there's some direct-to-consumer tests people are you know, doing, and your body's listening to everything you tell it. So what are you saying to your body? What are you telling your body? I can't eat pineapple. I can't have, you know, grains, whatever it is. Um, Your body's listening. And if you tell your body that often enough, then guess what? You're not going to be able to eat those things because your body is saying, I'm going to react every time I see this. Um, So it's harder to undo that thinking um, than it is to just not, you know, not test and have it there to begin with. Um, Dr. Karazian talks about not eliminating too many things. Um, It creates what's called oral tolerance and then you can't add anything back in. It makes it really, really difficult. So if you get this food sensitivity test and you have all these different foods that's telling you you can't eat and you eliminate all of them for an extended period of time, it's going to be very difficult to ever add those foods back in. So I think taking out things that are very offensive that we know, so conventional wheat, grains, conventional dairy um and we can have the conversation you know about around the difference between conventional dairy and raw dairy and mm-hmm. you know conventional grains and you know more organic ancient grains and why those are okay for you um mm-hmm. and how to prepare them um we take out processed sugars and soy never soy never ever <laughs> no soy um and uh um corn right so the the major things if we take out those things we're still left with tons of food that we can eat right and we're not, we're not eliminating so many things. And then you heal the gut. That's it. We've got to heal the gut, you know, bring back that balance, that beautiful balance that, you know, the body's created with. And then, then you can add some of those things back in, but you never want to add back in processed sugars, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so, let's take out the things that actually cause the problem. Okay. Organic corn. I mean, non-organic corn. Um, and I don't know if you want to, we can have this conversation another time.
0: <laughs> right, another um, podcast.
1: Right, another podcast. Um, you know, but the, the things that we're eliminating, those major inflammatory foods, you're not really going to want to add those back in. And what's left um, are really helpful, right? Um, and, and we need, our body needs all kinds of different nutrients. And um, we want to get our nutrients from food as much as possible, um, rather than from a, a supplement. At times supplements are necessary, and you know there are will be supplements on the program um but we ultimately want to get our bodies to a place where it, it you know it is absorbing um the vitamins and the nutrients from food because they all act and work synergistically with one another um and if you're just supplementing with one vitamin here and one mineral over there it's not it doesn't have all the other cofactors from all of the other vitamins and minerals it needs to actually do its job so that's those are my thoughts on food sensitivity testing so for what it's worth? our perspective on food sensitivity yes.
0: testing. So visit healingrosie.com com. Um, check out the show notes. If you want links to um, any of the things that we've talked about, we'll do our best to provide as many links as we can um, to different tests. And um, if you are interested in learning about the optimizing labs, you can download Healing Rosie lab tracker. I'm very happy for you guys to all um, have these resources so that you can advocate for yourself and get the help you need to optimize and get your life back. Thank you so much, Michelle, for spending time I'm with excited. us today, given this, yes, it's totally exciting, giving us this great download. Um, and if you're interested in joining us in the accelerator, uh, just pop over to healingrosie.com and and uh, click the link to apply and we can have a conversation about that. So appreciate everyone for joining us, tuning in today and we will see you soon. Bye for now. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you're feeling more empowered to overcome your flabby, foggy and fatigue and to reclaim your life. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now. So you don't miss any of our episodes. We have some awesome shows coming right up. I love reading your reviews and comments too. They inspire me and encourage other Rosies to hang out with us and learn all these amazing strategies for healing and living our best lives till next time, sister. Bye.